Good evening, everyone. Great to see so many. Len, good evening to you, sir. Great to have you here tonight. Uh, great to see some young faces. James, Josh, brilliant to have you here. Great to see some slightly older faces too. Great to have everyone who's joined us together as we meet this evening as God's family to hear from our Father, see what he has to say to us through his word as Colin continues our series in the book of Joel a little bit later. And how marvelous and how wonderful it is to pray to God. We've praised his name, now we pray to him. And our praise, our prayers um, go way beyond the roof above you, all the way to the throne of our God in heaven. So I'm going to invite Cal to come and, and follow that theme of that song uh, in prayers to our God. And then after that, Phil's going to come and he's going to bring our Bible reading to us. Thanks, Cal. Let's, let's pray together. Well, Heavenly Father, as we've just sung, how marvellous, how wonderful it is that you love us as you do, completely, totally, and more than we can ever imagine. Lord, it is a, a wonder at times why you love us. We so often reject you, forget you, and we go our own way. Lord, for that, we're sorry. Forgive us for how we've gone astray in this past week, in this past day, even in thought, in word, and in deed. Lord, by nature, we are all sinners condemned as unclean. Lord, but because of your great love for us, because of what Jesus did through his death and resurrection, Lord, we have been washed clean from our guilt and from the stain of our sin. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we pray for, for all of us and for those in particular in our church family who are struggling at this time, feeling that guilt and shame of, of things that have gone on in their past or, or sins which we're struggling with now. Lord, help us all to remember that we have been completely forgiven and that there is no need for guilt or shame because of what Jesus has done. Lord, we thank you that one day we will stand before you with all of those who have been ransomed by the blood of Jesus, that we will meet you face to face and will be welcomed in with open arms. Father, what a joy that is to know. Lord, we pray for all of us this week through the trials and the difficulties and all is to come, Lord, that you would keep our eyes fixed on that glorious day when we will be with you in glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you today, particularly for all of our mothers. Lord, thank you for the wonderful gift that it is to be a mother. Lord, for how they care for us, for how they nurture us, for how they love and support us. Lord, we thank you so much for them. But we want to pray for all those today, Lord, who are finding it particularly difficult, for those who wish to be mothers but can't, for those who have lost their mothers, for those who have had bad experiences with their earthly mothers. Lord, please help all to know your comfort today. 
Lord, we thank you for the gift of a church family. Lord, and we thank you for all the women who are in some way our spiritual mothers, who look after us, who care for us, who love us, point us to Jesus. Lord, we want to pray particularly uh, today for the Kratz family, Lord, with Debbie's mum's memorial service coming around on Tuesday. Lord, may you grant uh, Debbie and the rest of the family uh, a real peace at this time. May they know your comfort. Lord, may that time together be a, a celebration of her mum's life. Lord, we pray in these next few weeks in the run-up to Easter, Lord, we thank you for the great chance it is to slow down, to spend our time looking at those final days, those final hours of Jesus's life, Lord, to remember that weekend Lord, where Jesus went to die and was raised to life again. Lord, I pray for us all that we would come afresh and be in awe once again at just what it is that you did for us on the cross. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity it is to reach out into our community. Lord, we pray this week as we put together the packs and they're delivered to, to every house in the village. Lord, we pray that at our Easter events and the services that are going on, Lord, that there would be new faces coming into this building. Lord, that there would be people who hear the good news of the gospel, maybe for the first time. Lord, give us all boldness or put people on our hearts who we might invite to these services, Lord. We long to see people come to know Jesus. And what better time than this at Easter? Lord, as well as we think about reaching out, Lord, we pray ahead of Tuesday night and the men's curry evening. Lord, we thank you for the time that will be to, to gather men together, Lord, to share good food together, to spend time together. But Lord, also to hear, I uh, think about that question, what is life to the full? What is life really all about? Lord, we pray, as Nathan mentioned, that there would be men who through this, Lord, come to know Jesus. Lord, we long to see lives changed by Christ. So Lord, we pray that you would use this evening, you would use the talk, you would use the fellowship to, to gather those close to you. Lord, we pray... Head of other things happening this week, Lord, we pray for Nathan as he heads into the primary school to run an assembly on Monday. Lord, thank you for the relationship we have with the school and the opportunity and the freedom to, to go in there. Uh, Lord, we pray for any conversations with teachers, but also just being there, um, sharing some of the good news um, at that assembly. Lord, we pray that, that may lead to families and other young people Lord, coming to see Jesus. Lord, we have so much to give you thanks for. Lord, and thank you that we can now um, come and hear from your word. Lord, thank you that your word is powerful. Lord, it's alive. Lord, and you use it to speak directly to us. Lord, we pray for Colin. Lord, thank you for the work he's done uh, to prepare tonight. Lord, we pray that you would use him, use his words to speak to us. Lord, I pray that we would all have ears that are ready to hear. Lord, and hearts that are ready to engage, be challenged, and be encouraged by what you will have to say to us this evening. Lord, bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, tonight's reading is uh, Joel chapter 2. It's on page 914 of the Church Bibles. 
I'll read it 18 to 32. So yeah, Joel 2 from verse 18. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up. Its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains, because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. And never again will my people be shamed. <coughs> then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. From Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Before we turn to uh, Joel chapter 2, what is a quite a difficult passage, uh, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. And Father God, we do pray uh, for your help. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead, guide, empower my words, that we would hear your voice and be transformed by you, that we would see Jesus, the wonder and glory of our Lord Jesus, and praise him with all of our hearts. In his name we pray. Amen. As we've, uh, as we've studied Joel, uh, Joel chapter 1, uh, we saw that the Lord, he, he judged his people uh, for having broken covenant with them, that they had rebelled against them, and he called them to, to cry out for mercy. He called them to cry out for mercy in times of calamity, times of disaster. And then last Sunday, we looked at the big theme of the theme, the, the big theme of the day of the Lord the day of the Lord. We saw how the invasion of locusts, it was like um, an apocalyptic uh, judgment. Uh, And so the people were called to return to the Lord with all their heart. Not to just tear, tear their garments, but tear their hearts in grief about what they had done and to return to the Lord. 
And as we look at verse 18 to 32 in chapter 2 this evening, uh, as I hinted at last week, well, Joel says in verse 14 that, that who knows, the Lord may relent and leave behind a blessing. As Joel suggests, that the, the blessing that would be left behind would be perhaps the Lord would, he says, relent and restore them and give them grain and drink offerings. However, as we, as we see in the passage this evening, there is far more than just material blessings, far more than just grain and drink offerings. The Lord really does want to bless us abundantly. As despite the people's many, many years of rebellion and just defiance of the Lord, he is faithful. The Lord in Joel is described as the Lord of the covenant, that he is faithful to his covenant and to his people. And so in that light, we see that the Lord, he really does want to abundantly bless his people who who turn back to him in repentance. As the Lord responds to his repentant people, by firstly restoring our lives, restoring our lives abundantly. We see firstly that the Lord's heart towards his people, as you see there in verse 18, it says that the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. It is really that, as you saw at the, at the, last, the end of the last message, that the heart of the Lord extends to his people, that in love the Lord relents and, and he wants to bless his people. Just as a husband is jealous for the love of his wife, and so it is that the Lord is jealous for the love of his people. And he does, in fact, leave a blessing, as we see there in verse 19. It says that the Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations." Where previously the Lord had cut off all that was good, the new wine, the olive oil, the grain, he'd cut it off in judgment. The Lord promises to restore all that was lost. And he doesn't just promise restoration, but he says that he will give you enough to satisfy you fully. The idea repeated again, if you look there from verse 23 to 26, Joel says that he will bring that he will bring abundant showers, spring and autumn, and the threshing floor will be filled with grain. The, the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. That you will have plenty to eat until you are full, as the Lord will provide abundantly for His people, because God is faithful. And we see that the Lord, he doesn't, he doesn't just bless his people, but he also banishes the, the Lord's enemies as well. As you see there in verse 20, uh, the Lord says, I will drive the northern horde from you, drowning them in the Dead Sea and in the Mediterranean Sea. Some say that, well, is this actually a real army? Is this an actual army? But may, one commentator, he mentions that the locusts earlier, well, they're described just like an invading army, like the Assyrians or the Babylonians who would have ransacked Israel. And just like an army, the Lord, well, he drives them out and he makes them a, a deadly stench, as he mentions in verse 20, which again resembles the idea that they are dead, that the Lord has wiped them away as they die in the battlefield. Because the Lord, he really wants to assure his people that you are safe now, that there is no more judgment. 
that as you've returned to me, I will bless you. I will bless you abundantly. I am for you and not against you. Perhaps sometimes when we have in our own lives run away from the Lord, when we have rebelled in small ways or in big, maybe isn't, isn't that the assurance that we want? To know that the Lord is not angry with us, that he loves us. And not only does he love us, he actually wants to bless us abundantly. And if you are a follower of Jesus this evening, if you have turned from sin and turned to the Lord Jesus, that is his heart to you. He wants to bless you abundantly in every way. Because as you look there from verse 21 to 23, the emphasis for both the land, the animals, and the people is to be glad. To be glad, rejoice, and do not be afraid. Be glad and rejoice because the Lord has done great things. Because when you look back to to God, he is ready and waiting ready and waiting to bless his people abundantly. As you see the heart of God to restore his people, as he says in verse 25, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Where the swarms of locusts had completely devastated the people and the land, they'd stripped it of all of its goodness. The Lord says, I will restore those years. I will restore those years of devastation and famine. Perhaps when we think of our own lives, maybe as Christians, maybe perhaps we were raised in a Christian home, but for a long time, we just ran away from the Lord. Maybe now we've come back and we think, what did I do with all those years? What did I do with them? Maybe perhaps you came to to, to Christ uh, coming, out of, coming out of a really bad, dark situation, maybe in sexual sin or other things that you were involved with, and you look back and think, why did, I, why did I do that? Years and years living away from the Lord. Can he restore that time? Maybe you come to, to Christ later in life, maybe 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and look back and think, what did I do with my life? What did I do with the time that God has given me? Maybe even as a follower of Jesus, there's times where you think I've made choices that are not good choices. And now I have to live with those consequences. As you think, can God really redeem that time? Can he really use me even now? If that is you, then wonderfully we see that the Lord He repays the years that the locusts have eaten. He comes back and restores our life because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And therefore we can bring our burdens to God. Even this evening we can do that. We can confess our sins to him, confess our regrets to him. All the things that we've done in the past and let those memories die like the locusts in the desert as the Lord promises to restore our lives, to redeem our lives for his good pleasure and for his glory. As such is his goodness and faithfulness towards us. The Lord delights in us as his children. 
as you see that the Lord responds to those who, who, who return to him in repentance. He does that by restoring our lives abundantly. And secondly, by pouring out his spirit on all people. Pouring out his spirit on all people. The Lord promises uh, restoration. Restoration to the people of Judah. And then far promises, far greater blessings for God's people in the future. As he says uh, from verse uh, 28 to 29. And, uh, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. To understand these verses, there is a lot in these verses. It's quite helpful to take a step back and understand the big picture of the Bible. On one side, we have, uh, the, we have Moses on Mount Sinai, and on the other, we have the Apostle Peter at Pentecost. That is a big picture of these verses. As in, in one episode, in the episode of Moses, he is overwhelmed by what he has to do. And he prays to the Lord in Numbers 11. In verse 29, he says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. In context, uh, Moses, well, he wants people to help him. He's got uh, 70 elders, but he wants even more. He wants everyone to be able to help him, uh, to, to prophesy, to speak the very words of God. Because as you keep Joel 2 in mind, the very next chapter in Numbers 12, which won't be on the screen, uh, Miriam and Aaron, uh, they were jealous about Moses, about him prophesying. And the Lord said to them, uh, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. This is exactly what's picked up in Joel chapter 2. As the Lord, he spoke to many prophets in dreams and in visions. However, with Moses, he spoke clearly and verbally. Because amazingly, as we look forward to Pentecost, we see that Moses' prayer is actually answered at Pentecost. As people prophesy, that is that they speak the very words of God in the power of the Spirit. If you have a Bible, please do turn with me to Acts, uh, the book of Acts chapter 2. As, as all people, all people become like prophets, that is to be able to, to proclaim the word of God in the power of God's Spirit. In chapter 2 of Acts, well, there's, the, there's the Jews there, they're, they're gathered together uh, for a festival. Uh, the festival of weeks, which is when the, the Ten Commandments were given. And Luke tells us, as you look there from verse 4 to 8 of Acts chapter 2, he says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Uh, now uh, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? You see here a real miraculous work of God, the Holy Spirit. As we have Jews from all over what was the known world, 
who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they start speaking in other tongues. Or if you have your Bible there, it says uh, languages in, in, the, in the footnote there. And they understand that they understand everyone because everyone is speaking in their own language. Some people thought that they were drunk. But then the Apostle Peter, who is filled with the Spirit, he boldly says, they are not drunk. But the words of Joel are being fulfilled right now. Because these people are speaking the words of God, like prophets do, and they are hearing it in their own languages. And then Peter, he makes this connection. He makes a connection between actually, this is also not just filling the prophecy of Joel, fulfilling that, but it is fulfilling uh, the fact that, that there's a new king coming. As he talks about King David, who died, and goes on to say in verse 30 in Acts 2, But he was a prophet, that is King David, and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and you are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. When we, when we zoom out, when we take a big view, a big picture of Joel and Pentecost, we can start to really connect the dots. As we see in Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, everything just starts to make sense. Because we have, in Jesus' death, he paid for our sins upon the cross, paid for all of his people's sins on the cross. And then in his resurrection, he displays his victory over sin, death, and Satan. Then in his ascension into heaven, he shows that he is the true anointed king. He is the king of Israel, the king that the Jews had been waiting for. And then in the outpouring of his spirit at Pentecost, he proves that he is the king, that he is the Lord of all. At Pentecost, it displays that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And in giving his spirit, it shows that the kingdom of God has come. Jesus is on the throne. He reigns as the messianic king. And we see that in light of the giving of the Spirit. That is, Jesus is Lord. And so Peter, in Acts, filled with the Spirit, preaches with boldness. He preaches with boldness from verse 36. As he says, Therefore, in light of the fact that Jesus reigns, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both lord and messiah when the people heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
And so in light of the the call uh, by Peter, the, the people are convicted of their sin. They are cut to the heart. In Joel, it says, rend your, rend your hearts, not your garments. The same word is to be cut to the heart. The people here are cut to the heart. They cut, are cut to the heart and they repent of their sin. They repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As in the old covenant, the people of God who prophesied, they would receive the spirit at certain times. Only specific people would receive it and they would preach God's word as they receive it from him. They would do so with power. But now all people receive the spirit. All people receive the spirit of God. He has been poured out into our hearts. As now all people are indwelt by that spirit, by the spirit of God, something the Old Testament, Old Covenant believers could only dream of. As Peter, Peter's words, well, they fulfill Joel's prophecy because this message is for everyone. It's a promise to men, women, children, slave, free, whatever you're from, whatever background you're from, whatever class you're in, whatever country you might come from, it is for everyone. The gospel comes to everyone. Salvation is open to everyone. Because to receive salvation is to receive Lord, the Lord Jesus and his spirit. Because as we study God's word, we see that the Pentecost and the giving of the spirit it's not about a personal sensation, but about personal salvation. It is about coming to know the Lord, that we would be filled with his spirit and know him as who he is, that he is our savior and that he is our Lord. As the spirit is poured out on all people at Pentecost, all who, who turn from their sin and turn to the Lord Jesus. And that invitation is still open for all people today. In light of Pentecost, the call is to come to the Lord Jesus, to come to him and receive his forgiveness and be filled with his spirit. As the spirit indwells us to boldly and powerfully testify to all that the Lord has done for us. As we heard this morning, sometimes the the fear can be to not speak, to close our mouths when someone asks us about the Lord. But when we are filled with the Spirit, when God fills us with the Spirit, we are able to preach the good news of Jesus, the good news that he is both Lord and Savior. And there's also another aspect, when we think about it, how many Holy Spirits are there? There's not many Holy Spirits. There is one Holy Spirit. The same Spirit which indwelt Jesus indwells us today. These are the amazing privileges that we share as Christians for those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus. As the Lord responds to repentant people by restoring our lives abundantly, by pouring his spirit out on all people and by calling everyone to salvation. In these last uh, verses, again, we see Joel drawing on the, the past to anticipate the future. As he says from verse 30 to 31. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood and fire. 
blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. In describing the, the day of the Lord here, Joel again alludes to Israel's history. The Lord, he showed his presence in the heavens and on earth by leading his people in the wilderness. You think of the the pillar of cloud uh, during the day and the pillar of fire at night. And then the Lord vividly displayed his power in the plagues in Egypt. The eighth plague was that of locusts. Uh, The ninth plague was that of darkness when the sun was turned to darkness. And then on the 10th plague, the final plague, the Lord sends the angel of death over the land, bringing judgment upon the firstborn sons of Israel. The night when we could say the moon turned to blood. This was the great and dreadful day of the Lord. But it didn't happen without a purpose. As God was glorified in saving his people and judging his enemies. And in the same way, when we look back to Egypt, uh, we can see that happening. We see the reason for it, but we can look forward from there and see something quite, uh, quite amazing, quite different from that. Because there was a day, there was a day when God showed his wonders in heaven and on earth. A day when the sun was turned to darkness and the moon to blood. This is the day when the glory of God really shone out. The day when judgment fell on the Lord Jesus on the cross for the salvation of all of his people. As at the cross, we see God's glory in salvation through judgment. That all of our sins, all of our sins, past, present, and future, have been wiped away. That Jesus has borne our sin he took our judgment in, uh, on the cross. But three days later, the Lord, he raised them from the dead. And at Pentecost, Jesus ascends into heaven and pours out his spirit. And now the apostle Peter, he adapts Joel's words where instead of saying, as Joel did, and afterwards in Joel 2, 28, uh, Peter says in Acts 2, verse 17, in the last days, because Today, we live in these last days. In light of Jesus pouring out his spirit at Pentecost, we live in these last days. And so the invitation of salvation is open to all people. As Joel says in verse 32, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls Salvation, really, in this context, means deliverance from the Lord's judgment on the day of the Lord, on that final day. As because of Pentecost, we now live in the now and the not yet. We live in the last days because the judgment has fallen on Christ at the cross, and judgment will come in its complete fullness on the last day, on the final day. And so the call is an urgent one for each of us. It's the call for everyone everywhere to repent and believe. As the Apostle Apostle Paul applies the very words of Joel uh, in Romans 10, as he says, 
For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul takes the Old Testament name of the covenant Lord and connects it to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because due to Pentecost, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of all creation. And therefore, the call for everyone everywhere is to respond to Christ. To come to Christ. The Lord is, he is sovereignly calling people to himself. Our responsibility is to tell everyone everywhere that judgment is a reality and that it is coming but that Jesus has paid it all. That Jesus has paid it all. And therefore, as we reflect about the significance of this, we have to ask ourselves, how urgent is it to proclaim the gospel to people? How urgent is it to tell people about Christ? How urgent is it to go to the nations, to support the work of missions to the nations, to tell people about Christ. How should your life and my life change in light of that final day, in light of the fact that we live in the last days? How should your life change? Recently, I watched a a video of a a guy who was standing at the bottom of a mountain And he noticed uh, at the very top what seemed to be a huge avalanche. And as he stood there filming, he was just casually talking to his friend, telling telling his friend how amazing it was to see it. But as he stood it and looked up at the mountain, he saw the power of this thing rolling down the mountain. But then as he continued recording, he realized something. This avalanche is not going to stop, and I am in its way. And so he ran. He ran for shelter. He ran in panic and terror. But the avalanche just kept coming. He realized if I don't seek refuge, I'm dead. I will be consumed by it do you see the point we cannot run from the judgment of God but we must seek refuge in our Lord Jesus he is calling everyone to himself he is calling you and I to himself the question is how have you responded to his call have you received Christ and if you have Are you going to preach the good news of Jesus in the power of the Spirit to others? That God would be glorified in our lives. Let's pray together. Father God, we we thank you for our Lord Jesus who has taken the full judgment of our sins upon himself on the cross. And we thank you that you are a God who redeems and restores. You have restored the years that the locusts have taken. You have filled us with your spirit, that we 
can call on your name as Father, that we might be able to tell others of the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you would give us a heart which is urgent to tell others of the salvation that is found in Christ, that he is our refuge and that all people must turn to him. Help us, Lord, we pray, that your spirit would empower us, that he would help us to speak boldly of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. I'll be praying for you. Please be praying for each other as you live for Jesus this week, that you'll keep your eyes fixed on him. He's good. He's kind. He's with you. He's for you. He loves you. Love each other. (laughs) And go well. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon.